Once upon a time, there was a traveler on a journey. They didn't exactly know the way. They didn't really know even where they were going. They just knew that where they were wasn't where they were meant to be. And so they looked for a way, a road, a path that could take them somewhere. And they hoped that the somewhere it might take them might be the very where that they were supposed to be. As they traveled, they met other travelers, lots of other travelers, many of them traveling in great crowds, and they sort of seemed to know where they were going. So the traveler joined one of the crowds. After a while, though, it sort of felt like the crowds were traveling in circles and had been for generations and and spent most of their time talking about how the other crowds were traveling in the wrong direction at the wrong speed or on the wrong road. But nobody ever got anywhere. At a great crossroads, the traveler saw a small village. And there the traveler met the charismatic young fellow who ruled the village. He said, I've traveled widely, I've seen it all, and trust me, there's nothing out there worth finding. You should just settle here and live under my rule. So the traveler got a little house and a little barn and put away the pack and tent. Now the charismatic ruler was cruel. No one in the village loved him. But he charismatically assured everyone there was nowhere else to go. They should just stay. Many years later, our former traveler was cleaning out their barn so they could build a bigger one. When they found the dusty pack and tent so long unused, And in that moment, they remembered. They remembered who they once were and that they had once set out on a journey to find the place they were made for and to find the place that was made for them. They sort of said out loud to themselves as they picked up the pack, I know it's not this place. And just as soon as they said it, the charismatic ruler showed up. You can travel if you want, but trust me, there's nothing out there worth finding. You could be right, the traveler said as he shouldered his pack, but I'll go see for myself. You are not my master, and this is not the place I was made for. And so off the traveler went. One day, A scorcher of a day. The traveler felt their thirst and their weariness. And they saw a stream and a pit of grass. And they said, maybe that's the place I was made for. Maybe that's the destination I've been seeking. And they went to it and they drank the water and they rested on the grass. But the water they found didn't satisfy like they thought it would. And the rest that they got, it was good. 
but it sort of just made them want true rest even more and true water even more. And so they searched for the, the best stream and the best rest, the most beautiful spot. As they did, they passed near the village again. And there they met again that charming ruler who assured them, if you must travel, then do this. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Let them lead you where you need to go. And that made some sense to the traveler. So they scanned the horizon and used their best judgment and picked a spot and said, that's what I want. And off they went. Yet their desires proved fickle, wanting first one direction and then another. And once again, they found out they were traveling in circles passing the same old landmarks, cycling through the same unfulfilled desires. One night, as they camped by the great road and were drifting off to sleep, they remembered how the journey began, that they would find the path meant for them to the place they were made for and the place that was made for them and how all they'd done in the intervening years was figure out a whole bunch of different ways to get lost. For the first time, the thought occurred to them, I may die out here on the road with the journey unfinished. And if that's the case, maybe I should go back to the oasis. If I'm going to die on the road, at least I'll die by a stream in a beautiful spot. Or maybe I should go back to the crowds. If I'm going to die on the road, at least I won't be alone. Or maybe I should go back to the village because there's nothing out here worth finding. At least then I'll die at home. And they woke up the next morning and they had a plan. They knew where they were headed. They packed up their tent and as they were packing their bag and beginning to put it onto their shoulders, they heard a voice they recognized. Do you need any help? It was a man they'd seen before. He offered to help everybody. A little obnoxious, quite frankly, if you ask the traveler. Besides, the traveler had never needed his help. I'd take your help if you could, the traveler said. Once I thought I was journeying to somewhere. But I don't think I'll make it. I've tried everything. The man looked at the traveler and asked, have you tried a guide? A what? The traveler wondered. I told you, I've tried everything. I followed the crowds. They don't know where they're going either. Not the crowds, the man insisted. You're right, they're just as lost as you are. But that's what makes a guide different. A guide knows the way. What would that even look like? The traveler scoffed. 
What, do you have some sort of map for sale? Or you're going to write down directions for me? The man took a step or two off the road. And for the first time, just for a second, the traveler could see a path he'd never noticed before. It's like the traveler could only see it when the man was standing on it. The man said, no, I've got no map for you. Plus, it wouldn't help anyway. You could never find the path on your own. And even if you were to find the path, you could never finish the journey without my help. The traveler shouldered his pack and tightened the straps and looked down the road the traveler had planned for that day and looked at the man who was now five or six steps off the road on a path that now the traveler could see clearly but only because the man was there standing on it, following it. And the man looked back to the traveler one more time and said, the journey you started If you want to see it to its end, you'll have to follow me. Once upon a time, there was a traveler on a journey. I didn't tell you the traveler's name, not because I don't know the traveler's name, but because the traveler has so many names. Once, her name was Morgan. So the year is 2020, and I've been out of church for a decade. I am feeling really lonely, I'm scared, searching constantly for answers, something to make sense of life, to make it seem worthwhile, but I always come up empty, lonely, and afraid. But God in His great mercy and love toward me sent me a friend. This friend had been in my life for several years, but during COVID, we started to meet up and her light and her love and her presence and God's spirit through her just really spoke to me. I realized that I wanted what she had. I was afraid of it though. I'd been in church before and I'd been hurt and I had so many questions and I just wasn't sure about anything. I was quite frankly terrified that I'd be met with judgment and shame, reproach, not wanted, most of all. And so I began to tiptoe toward Christ and God met me every step of the way. I began to attend First Christian and again, I was ready to turn around and run at the first sign of judgment, (laughs) but I was met with wide open arms No one asked me too many questions. They didn't seem to care where I'd been or where I'd come from or what exactly I believed and did I have all the answers, none of that. They just said, welcome. We're glad that you're here and I felt that it was true. And I knew that it wasn't really them saying it, it was God saying it to me through them. And God has radically transformed my life. I had another friend just yesterday tell me that my peace was palpable and it is because I can rest now. There's no more searching. I don't have to walk through life alone. I don't have to be afraid. I can trust that all things work together for good. I'm thankful. I'm so grateful for what God has done. I was dead and now I'm alive. 
Well, hey, friends. Uh, my name's Ethan, one of the ministers here, and I am so glad that you're here with us to celebrate Easter. Uh, let's see if I can get this right. Felicis Pasquas which I think means something like Happy Easter in Spanish. I practiced, but I still probably botched it. Listen, I hope you're having a great Easter already. You've probably figured out that we are telling stories today. We're telling great stories. We're telling true stories. But the next story I want to tell is a little bit curious. It's a biography, but not just any biography. It's your biography. And it's in the Bible, which might seem a little odd, right? Because the Bible was written almost 2,000 years before you were even born. But it's there in a letter that an early church leader named Paul wrote to a church in a town called Ephesus. He wrote your biography. It sounds like this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world or the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived with them at one time, following the cravings of our flesh or following the desires of our thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you see, it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works, so nobody can boast. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is your biography. Or at least it's the biography God wants to write in your life. And you can learn a lot from reading your own biography. You learn where the story starts. As for you, you were dead. It's a little blunt, right? But, but Paul goes on to explain what he means. He says, we keep following paths that don't go anywhere. And if you're following a path that doesn't go anywhere, well, you'll just wander till you die. And there, there are a few paths, he suggests. Maybe you're following the ways of the world, just wandering along with culture or crowd, kind of wherever it goes. Or following the rulers of the spirit of the air, the spiritual forces that work against God. Following the desires of your flesh. Following the desires of your mind. And when we read this part of the story, we recognize it, don't we, Right? Like all of us know somebody whose life is going nowhere because they are following a path that doesn't go anywhere. Like all, we can all think of somebody who is just following a crowd and they've fallen in with a bad crowd and they are heading toward destruction because they're following a crowd. 
or somebody who is following the desires of their flesh. They're just seeking pleasure and what makes them feel good, and they are destroying their life because they're following that path. Or they're following the desires of their mind. Maybe it's money, or maybe it's power, or maybe it's success, or whatever it is, but they've got a goal that they're fixated on, and they're going for it, and they're leaving a wake of destruction, right? You can all think of somebody who's following one of these paths and is going nowhere. Uh, the bad news is there's an off chance that somebody else is thinking of you. So just that's my little warning, right? Okay. And why is that? Well, because Paul says all of us get doing this. All of us get following paths that don't go anywhere. In fact, maybe here's a little self-analysis you could just do for yourself. If you are stuck in life, or if you get stuck, or maybe I should say when you get stuck in life, it's probably because you've started following a path that doesn't go anywhere. And this happens to people even who, who, are, who are Christians and who have, who have, who have said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And then yet somehow they, 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 we stop, don't we? And we start following some crowd and don't even notice. They're, they're not going anywhere. They're, they're getting there fast and they're just not getting anywhere. Or we start following the desires of our flesh again or following the desires of our mind again. And Paul just says, you know, if you get stuck in life, it's because the journey that you can accomplish based on your own strength and your own wisdom, that journey, the one that you can pull off, it doesn't actually go anywhere. Like that's just, that's just circles. You'll land up right back in the same place you were before. That's what your biography says. It tells you where the story starts. It also, of course, tells you where the story ends. It says the, the ending of the story God wants to write for your life is where you're on a new path, a path that heads toward grace, the riches of God poured out into your life. It heads toward life and reunion with God and an eternal home, and you're a new creation, and you now have good works to do that actually accomplish something in the world and that mean something for God's kingdom eternally. The end of your story promises that God has a life planned for you. You are not an accident. You have not been forgotten by God. You have not been overlooked by God. God planned for you. And God has a plan for you. And God's plans for you are good and meaningful. This means that you are not yet living the life you were meant to live. Wherever you are today, God has better in mind for you for, than who you are today. You haven't even met yet the person that God wants you to be. And this is super good news for me because every version of myself that I have ever met is sort of obnoxious. And some of you know me, and you could like testify right now. That's true. I've met him, and all the versions I've met are also sort of obnoxious. And so it's good news when I discover that God has in mind a version of me that I have not yet met. I have not yet met. And hopefully that version's less obnoxious than the ones I've been putting up with lately. I love where, where that text says, God has made you alive in Christ so that... In the coming ages, in the future, God can pour out on you the incomparable riches of his grace, which is his kindness to you in Christ Jesus. 
This means you have not yet lived your fullest life. You have not yet met your best self. You have not yet prayed your truest prayer. And the journeys that we follow on our own take us nowhere. But the journey of following Christ actually leads to the place you were made for and the place that was made for you. And it leads you to be the person God made you to be. We're starting a series next week. We're going to be talking about it for six or seven weeks. It's called Back to Life. And in some sense, it's inspired by the cultural moment that we're in right now, you know? It looks like we're starting to pull out. You can see the light at the, t- at the end of the tunnel of this whole pandemic thing, and schools are back in person, and sporting events have started again. It just feels like it, it's time to get back to life here, right? But the other part of this title is to kind of drive a stake in the ground and, and declare something, because here's the thing I noticed happened in my spirit about three months ago, and, and maybe you noticed it too. I would be having a conversation with somebody, and I would say, or they would say, man, won't it be good when things get back to normal? Can't wait till things are back to normal. Can't wait till church is back to normal, or till family dinners are back to normal, or hanging out with friends is back to normal, or school is back to normal, or everything back to normal. But I tell you, as I began saying that and I began praying and just began to look to God for direction for this new season, I just felt this conviction, like back to normal. Was 2019 so good and somehow I forgot? I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go forward. To, I don't want my relations to be what they were two years ago. I want them to be better than they've ever been. I don't want my connection to be God to be what it two years ago. I want to be better than it's ever been. I don't want my connection to to friends and family and spirit to be what it was two years ago. This series, Back to Life, we're going to be just recognizing the fact that so many of us, even before the pandemic, were following paths that go nowhere. And we don't want to go back to normal. We want to go back to life. Because you see, this biography that God wrote about your life, it doesn't just tell you where things start. As for you, you were dead. It doesn't just tell you where they can end. New creation, new purpose, new good, meaningful, eternal work to do. It also tells you how to get there. And you see, that matters. When the ending is, when the beginning is this bad and the ending is this good, you got to figure out how am I supposed to get from the beginning to the end? Because lost people don't find themselves. And dead things don't come back to life and prisoners don't declare themselves not guilty. And the turning point of this biography, the one God wrote about your life, is this one sentence. I want you to pay attention to this sentence. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ. You can learn a lot If you pay attention to that one sentence, you may come here today. What is God like? I hear a lot of things about God. I want to know what is the true and holy God like right there. God is rich in mercy. Maybe you showed up today wondering, how does God feel about me? I've messed up. It's been a hard year. It's been a long time since I've been in church. How does God feel about me? God loves you greatly. What does God want to do with my life? 
What does God have planned for me? What are God's hopes for me? What are God's dreams for me? God wants to make you alive. And you see, it starts with Easter. Easter is the Sunday we remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. In the presence of hundreds of witnesses, he confused the skeptics and proved that God could raise the dead. And when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, God proved that God can do all that God promises to do. The Bible says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And that means God is just getting started bringing people back to life. The historical truth of the resurrection is that Jesus Christ, once dead, is now alive. But the prophetic truth of the resurrection is that what God did in Jesus' life, God intends to do in the life of all those who will surrender to Christ and follow him with their lives. The paths we find on our own go nowhere, but the singular path of following Jesus Christ goes to exactly the place you were made for and exactly the place that was made for you. I want you to know how this works. Real practically, I want you to know how this works. You tell me the place where your story is stuck. You just think about that for a second. My guess is a bunch of us have a place right now where our story is stuck. You tell me where your story is stuck. And I'll tell you the next two words of the story. But... God. Those are the next two words. You say, here's where my story is stuck. I am powerless over my addiction, but God has power to heal you and set you free. I believe that. I've seen it happen. You tell me, here's where I'm stuck. My relationships are in shambles. My marriage is weak and my friendships have faltered, but God can give you a family and a people and can rebuild your marriage and can save those friendships. You tell me that I have failed at my job or failed at school or failed myself, that I am always depressed, I am stuck in my grief, but God can give you grace where you have bring only failure, can give you joy where you bring only grief, can bring you hope where you bring only despair. You tell me where you're stuck. The next two words of your story are, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for you wants to make you alive. Tell me, Ethan, I'm stuck. I have tried everything. I have followed the crowds and I've followed my desires. I have followed my own wisdom and it has just led me in circles and I'm worried that I'm gonna wander until I die. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for you, wants to lead you on a new path, one you couldn't have seen without his help. The resurrection says that the next best chapter of your life is not about what you accomplished for you. The next best chapter of your life is not even about what you accomplished for God. The next best chapter of your life is about what a God accomplishes for you and through you and in you. 
God wants to give you what you can neither achieve or earn or find on your own. This is the Easter invitation. That a God who can raise the dead, if you would let God get a hold of your story, the ending changes. And look again at that ending. I love Ephesians 2, chapter 10. Look at where the story ends up. Through Christ, you're a brand new creation, something God made, not you. You have good works to do, works that are meaningful and fulfilling and make a difference in the world, and you have a good life prepared in advance for you. You are not an accident. You have not been forgotten. God planned for you, and God has plans for you almost 2,000 years ago. This guy named Paul wrote your biography. He wrote down where it starts. As for you, you were dead. But he wrote the next part too. But God. And you know what you're waiting on God to do. You know what comes after that. But God healed, restored, intervened, rescued, saved. The paths you can follow on your own, they don't go anywhere. If you're wondering why you're stuck, it's because you're following a path that just goes in circles. And if you know that today is the day that you need the but God who is rich in mercy to interrupt your life, I've got an invitation for you. The first is to come back next week. If you're worshiping online or outside or in a video venue, we'll have all those options for you next week. Come back next week. If you're worshiping in here, we'll be here. We're starting this series, Back to Life, and we're just going to talk about the paths we find on our own and how they don't go anywhere and the path that God has for us and how it takes us to the place we were made for and the place that was made for us. But some of you don't need to wait till next week's invitation. Don't need to wait to make a six-week commitment, be here every week, and get serious about getting back to life. Some of you need to do something today. Some of you know that you have been following paths that go nowhere. You've, you've, you heard those stories from all those people, and you didn't recognize the second half of the story, but you sure understood the first half. And you'd like a second half to your story. And if you need to get that started today, if you need to meet the God who wants to lead you on a new path, if you're worshiping with us online, we're going to sing a song here in just a second. During that song, just type in the chat. One of the chat hosts say, I need to talk to somebody. One of the chat hosts will set up a private chat with you and talk to you about that. If you're at any of our video venues or outside, there's a host there. During this song, you can go connect with the host. If you're here in this room, I'll be right over there at the foot of the stairs. I'd love to meet with you and talk to you. There is a second half to your story. I know you're stuck today. I know you've been following paths that don't go anywhere, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for you, wants to make you alive. Let me pray for you. God, bless us right now. I just pray for some people who need to make a decision and who need to bust out of a rut they've been in, quit following a path they know doesn't go anywhere because they've tried it. And they need to let you write the next half of their story, find a new path that actually goes somewhere. I just pray right now that you'd make some people bold to make these decisions, commit to be here the next few weeks and find the path you want them on. 
talk to somebody today, God, about getting right with you. I pray that you would do that through the power of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.